0: broadcasting from orchard park new york and boca raton florida you are listening to freight 360 whether it's breaking news tips to increase your business or just some good old sports talk this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. i'm your host nate cross and benjamin kowalski let's talk freight all right, welcome back for episode 80 of Freight 360. Happy St. Paddy's Day, everybody. We've got another great episode. We've got Dean Croak on with us again from DAT, the principal analyst of DAT Freight and Analytics. Dean, welcome back. We're super excited to have you again.
1: Yeah, great to be here, guys.
0: And you're, uh, you know, at like, you know, we, re- we dropped this on Fridays, but it's Wednesday as we record right now. You're in you're in the Boston area for St. Paddy's Day. What's yeah. the vibe?
1: Yeah. Um- it's pretty good you know we're all sort of still in lockdown mode here even though uh, everybody's pretty optimistic about things we're not we're not circulating very much but I think uh, Bostonians are generally pretty upbeat with spring training and uh, you know the Red oh, Sox yeah. starting to get their act together
0: yeah Alex Cora back as the manager this year I'm excited for it yeah so yeah. We got it. Let's get right into sports. Ben, you know, Justin well, Thomas. All, you guys, you guys can't see him, but Ben's wearing a green freight 360 pole today representing St. Patty State,
2: so Well, it was funny. You guys were just talking about this. I was catching the morning news and there's definitely a little bit of concern where I'm at because spring break is obviously going on right yeah, now at the that, same yeah. time as St. Patrick's Day and they're expecting Thousands of people in South Florida that likely are not going to be abiding by any type of social distancing or whatnot. So we'll keep an eye on what that's going to look like over the next couple of weeks. But um, guessing brighter news, you I mean? Yeah, Justin Thomas won the uh, the players at uh, TPC Sawgrass on Sunday, which was an awesome tournament. If any of you guys caught any of it, beat out Lee Westwood on Sunday for his I think it was his 14th PGA victory.
0: I dig it. Oh, NFL free agency started, I think it was like Monday. So a lot of, a uh, lot of action there was, I did see looking down in the Florida area. Um, so Gronkowski re-signed with the Bucks, but, but before that he considered an offer from the Bills hometown yeah. for him. He's from Amherst, New York, but uh, ended up re-signing with the, with the uh, Buccaneers. So, mm. Yeah. <laughs> So, anyway, you know, NFL. The Bills uh, the Bills picked up Emmanuel Sanders, I believe, as a wide receiver yesterday in return for a late draft round pick for this uh, upcoming draft. Um, Cam Newton re-signed with the Patriots for another year. Extended or whatever that would be. Yeah. So, interesting stuff.
1: I didn't think that would happen. I didn't uh, – the vibe was here that I don't know that he was – People were that high on him, but...
0: Uh, I, I thought you guys were going to have somebody new.
1: Yeah, I was adamant. Yeah, I didn't think that was going to continue on, but maybe the, the pickings are slim out there.
0: Yeah, who knows? There was a ball. lot of QB movement in the off season, so I, I was surprised that right. New England didn't snag somebody. But, uh, oh, well, yeah, but spring training, you know, we got, uh, we're, we're over halfway through March here, so baseball is getting ready to get underway in the regular season at the end of this month. I think I got my my schedule right here the uh yeah it'll be April April 1st is the first game so yep. sometimes they start late March but it's April this yeah. year so it'll be it'll be good good stuff So uh any other sports thoughts anything going on nothing I got about
2: rounded out. I saw some some stuff, some Steeler news. I guess Juju Smith Schuster's eyeing where he's going to be going. Have you guys heard anything about whether or not Roethlisberger is going to be here next year? Is he announced either way?
0: He he is, I believe. Although what Drew Brees announced retirement.
2: Saw the oh yeah, that was the other big news this week.
0: But I saw, I think I saw Roethlisberger is is going to be uh, still a Steeler. So
1: get some skiing news, if that helps. Does that count? <laughs>
0: Yeah. I mean, it's sports. What do you got?
1: Uh, it's, it's awful <laughs> in new England. Um, like it, it's sort of sunny in the, during the day and that melts the top, but then it freezes overnight cause it's the, the lows are so low. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it, it's that typical new England ice.
0: Yeah. You get and, the ice, ice coating. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get out to the slopes a single yeah. time this year and I usually right. go, I snowboarded, I skied as a kid. Then I switched to snowboarding in high school and yeah, um, As I've gotten older, it's gone down to like one or two times a year. And then I would start to get hurt because I thought I still had all my tricks in me, but I didn't. I didn't (laughs) even go off.
2: That's a good one. I actually was on with my buddy yesterday. He was lucky enough to get caught in uh, Colorado when they got dumped on last weekend. He was literally skiing Saturday and Sunday when they got like whatever, two or three feet over like 24 hours. Yeah. Yeah. My well, I think was, the
0: snow is officially uh, right. done here in, in Buffalo. Right. It's right. 50 degrees today, and uh, we're, we're seeing yeah. some 60s next week. Dean, you probably got 60s last week, right? That we little, little, we, little heat yeah, surge?
1: Hit, hit 59. Uh, we were down at the beach. There were families out sitting at the beach with their kids, even though they had wow. beanies on and jackets. It was still uh, beach yeah. weather. Uh, That's... But,
0: Hey, when you're above the Mason-Dixon, Ben, you probably as a, you know, when you were younger, you're this is the same way. But like as soon as in the spring, as soon as it starts hitting that, like yeah. 50s, 60s, people are like, oh, it's yeah. it's July. It's like, no.
2: 60 was short number arch. for me.
0: It's, as soon yeah. as I
2: saw the weather hit
1: six zero, I was like, no more <laughs> pants. It's summer yeah. now. <laughs> oh, I hit the beach it. every day here. Like it's the beach in winter is just spectacular, even though you've got to be rugged up. It's just beautiful. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, we're not far away from spring here. It'll turn pretty quickly. It's the yep. amazing thing about this country is there's four distinct seasons, and so they all and it, they kind of turn on a weekend. It's like they do. Like, it's fascinating. They do. Like yeah.
0: it's funny because we got a, We got a little tease of spring last week, and then it got cold yeah. again. Yeah. And now when that next warm front comes through next week, it's like all right, we're officially yep. in spring because I think spring starts on Sunday, right, the twentieth or Saturday, Sunday. I don't know whatever it is, but uh, this weekend. So yeah. It'll it'll turn. So anyway, the uh, today's episode we're going to talk about putting yourself in the driver's seat. This is going to be about relationships with carriers. It's it's more important than ever right now as a freight broker to make sure that you're you're looking at you know looking at your business and your occupation through the lens of a driver and and the motor carrier. Um, aside from just making money and being profitable as a broker, because we can't do our jobs if we don't have good carrier relationships. So. Dean used to drive. This is going to be really awesome. I'm, I'm super excited to talk about this. Obviously, you're you're with DAT Freight and Analytics, one of our sponsors. We've got a, an awesome partnership that we launched earlier this year with DAT. Um, I've got a I've got a script I can read all about DAT, but you know, it's, it's better to just speak from my own experience and, and from your experience right. about how great of a company they are. I'm a huge fan of DAT Power myself. I know you check out our episode know you can get a free month of DAT Power, DAT Express or Trucker's Edge depending on if you're a carrier, a broker or both. So, make sure to check those out. Great load posting tools. DAT's directory is a great way to source carrier capacity and identify where different truck companies are located. Um, Rate View is an awesome analytics and rating tool. We're going to we're going to talk about um, we got one of our Q&A questions that that uh, asks about posting and rating um, we'll get to that later in the show, and I'll talk about DAT's um, solution to that. So, Dean, mm-hmm. great to have you back. Thank Super you. excited. Um, tell us a little bit about your uh, your carrier background. We 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 touched on it when we did some analytics right. talk with you earlier in the year, but uh, talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, um, you know, my driving career started at uh, age nine um, in Australia in the outback when Dad would fall asleep at the wheel and say, "Would you like to drive?" And of course, as a nine year old, who wouldn't say. You know, no. Oh no, yeah. <laughs> took over immediately. I've and, and of course, who'd know who's driving a truck late in the night in the middle of the outback, right? No one. No one would really know it's a uh, a veteran What's driver. The driving
0: or an, age in Australia anyway?
1: Uh, it's twenty one. Like it's still the same. You can drive at eighteen if you're on um, shorter haul, smaller trucks. But it's pretty much the same as here. Okay. That's an insurance. That's an insur- global insurance industry thing. It's yeah. not that younger drivers, in my opinion. Uh, less safe. It's just there's no data to support it sure. because they've never had it. So, yeah, so I spent a lot of time driving on the road uh, at nights with my dad and going to school during the day and, uh, you know, did ended up doing a couple of million miles as an over the road driver in Australia and driving some of the, you know, the big 88, 90 wheel road trains and, you know, hauling cattle and jet fuel and all sorts of things. Well, beef. So, Can you explain
2: what that is to our listeners? Because I wasn't aware of what those were until I met you, actually. And just briefly, what that actually is. Because that's something I don't think a lot of people understand what those are.
1: Just a brief history. You know, like the first road trains were actually uh, Afghan camels. So they were brought in from the Middle East, and they were the original road trains. You'd have camel trains. And, of course, one of the hazards of truck drivers in the outback now are wild camels. Because when diesel power came along, they let all the camels go. And of course they're wow. in unbelievable proportions in the outback and having hit one, they'll do an enormous amount of damage to your radiator and push your radiator straight through the block in a heartbeat. So that's why road trains have massive, what we call bull bars or moose bars here. We have massive uh, bull bars that weigh thousands of pounds up front to protect your wheels and tires and lights and engines. So um, the the thing in the outback is that you've got thousands of miles between stops and And because you get paid not by the mile, but by what you haul, there's more incentive to put more volume on the power unit. Uh, And it just makes sense because of the vast distances. Um, And remember, 80% of the Australian population lives in 3% of the landmass, mostly on the eastern corner. But because our biggest export is mining and commodities, they're all in the very remote areas where there's no infrastructure there's no diesel, it's all, di- sorry, there's no power. It's all diesel generation. So you've got to truck all this freight in and out. So it just makes sense to have more, as many trailers as you can fit on. And, uh, you can typically run four, four, maybe five uh, trailers on a 600 horsepower cat with an 18 speed and tri drive. So you can, you can do that pretty comfortably. The engines only last about a quarter of a million miles, and then you've got to yank it out and put a, a new rebuilt one in. So, uh, you're, you're going to run 88 tires. Typically, most of your converted dollies are triaxle. Most of your axle groups are triaxle. You carry enormous weights, enormous amounts of productivity. Um, but as a driver, you're going to do four to four and a half thousand miles a week, week in, week out. Uh, you're on your own all of the time. you are got to change wow. your own tires. You could change two or three tires a day because uh, it's it's 130 on the blacktop out there, and that's the blacktop. Half your work is on the dirt. And you got stones that do all sorts of damage. So you, you're much more than a driver. You're a mechanic. You fix things. You've got to be good at animal husbandry. You've got to be look after cattle, livestock. So it's a, it's a wonderful job if you love your own company is how I would describe it.
2: That's what I was going to ask you. Is it mostly done by singles or do you guys run teams like typically in the U.S. when you go coast-coast? to coast?
1: Mostly singles, mostly singles. Now, coast to coast, if you're running express freight from Sydney to Perth, which is about a 43 hour transit, we used to do it as single drivers uh, with a couple of breaks, um, sort Mm -hmm. of out Friday and Monday with express. That has to be done by two drivers now. Uh, That was sort of pre the equivalent of ELDs. But in Australia, it's much different because they use a overhead uh, safety cam technology that's over the top of the interstates. It's called safety cam and what they are are thermal digital cameras that measure your uh, elapsed time between camera sites. Oh. So how, you know, how they enforce the hours of service regulations and speed is your elapsed time between sites. And uh, so you, so, wow. you know, it's kind of like
0: easy pass in the like, U you know. like S right. you, you can get a, a ticket yeah. for, if yeah. your average speed was yeah. well above the speed limit between That's it. your, uh, yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. So, of course, what happens now is you you whip by under the gantry and then pull up for half an hour and then whip by the next one in excess of the speed limit. So your average speed between <laughs> two points is like, – all it did was move the rest areas a well, to, a in way. between. Yeah. That's what I am just going to say. It just ma- moves the rest areas to different places. That's all it did. Yeah. So to answer Ben's question, though, in the Outback, they didn't have these cameras for a long time. And, of course, now they've got them, which means you've got to run two drivers in most of the places. <laughs> but it's predominantly a – LTL freight operation, most of the freight moves into capital between the four capital cities on the East Coast. It's mostly uh, B double B trains, nine axle B trains that run at about uh, 50, probably close to 60 tons gross. Um, And you can get, you've got general access with those things. You can get them anywhere. Most of the trucks are cab over. That's the big difference because it's a bumper-to-bumper length reg as opposed to here, which is from the center of the fifth wheel to the middle of the back axle. Yeah. Um, So over there, you've got a much tighter, um, you know. But you're also paid by volume, so there's more incentive to put more in the trailer, and it's all side load as opposed to reload. Yep.
0: So the uh, the road train thing, when you said LTL, it made a lot of sense because my. My asset experience was with an LTL carrier, and we would haul double 28 foot pups. And then yeah. um, some states actually authorized triples. So you could have, I think, yeah. mostly out west, like in yep. parts of Colorado and I th- yep. maybe Idaho or something like that, yep. you could haul triples. Um, New York state actually allows double 53s on I-90. So we'll see that Mm -hmm. a lot of times, but they, Mm -hmm. they're limited to the certain, certain actual roads and something that a lot of brokers don't deal with when they're, you know, you're typically just dealing with a single 53 foot, um, trailer or 48 foot trailer. So different part of the industry that folks don't think about. So think about the miles per gallon on that, that haul when you're hauling a triple like that, you know what I mean? Across the outback.
1: Well, you always, we carry around 1,100 gallons on the chassis and, uh, and 500 gallon belly tanks under each trailer.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So that's (laughs) wild. You never run out of fuel, but if you do, it'll cost you a lot of money. Yeah. (laughs) Fill up.
0: (laughs) Yikes. So the, uh, that's interesting. That's a, that's a cool background. And the, so you mentioned the driving age 21 and then, uh, uh, I think it's the same here. Twenty-one, and then they have a. There's. It's 18 years old. They authorize like a military exemption. If you the the yeah. experience signed off yeah. by like a yeah. Um, yeah. your commander based on the training and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, it basically eliminated the. I think there was still a road test, but it or a physical, but it the the other requirements were waived, and I think that came about about four yeah. years ago during yeah. the last presidential yeah. administration. So. Yeah. Yeah, there's
1: a legitimate um, yeah. driver shortage in the country now. So getting getting younger drivers into the industry and that younger demographic is key because both the younger demographic and the baby boom demographic, which are two, you know, large population sources for drivers, are declining. Yeah. So, so in terms of available driver pool numbers. So getting drivers into the long haul trucking business before they find another alternative is is part of that strategy because it's a hard job. There's no question it's a tough job and your entry point, unless you're lucky enough to find a local company that'll pay the four or five grand for your CDL, a lot of guys end up having to go over the road with a, you know, in a student training set up to get their CDL and stay for a year and earn their chops there.
0: Gotcha. So, this is a great topic to, to get into with, you know, carrier relations. Last week, we had TJ Knutsen from Circle Logistics on. He runs their asset division um, and he talked a lot about, the fact that brokers often don't think they don't put themselves in the driver's or the carrier's shoes when yeah. it comes to capacity and what they're available for. And off air, before we started recording today, you mentioned consistency and avoiding change mm. from a carrier standpoint. And it's something that they're going to prefer. So yeah. I kind of wanted to, to dig into that. Um, and Ben maybe get some of your, your thoughts and experience with it. Is the whole idea of the, the one and done um, carrier usage for a broker is not very, it's, it might be effective for one low, but it's not efficient long-term and it doesn't really right. help build a relationship. Like I had a guy I talked to yesterday or the day before, I forget. And one of, that was one of his big things is He's, he's coming on as a, as a new agent with my company and he's got a lot of carriers to set up because he doesn't use the same carriers often. He's got hundreds instead of maybe a handful that he likes to use on a repeat basis. So, and that's something that he's working on, but that consistency and repeat usage and mm-hmm. just predictability is going to be paramount in keeping carriers happy and making them want to work with you. So yep. Yep. talk a little bit about that consistency side from a, from a trucker standpoint. How does that look?
1: Yeah. If you think about one of the main reasons that drivers leave the industry, it's lack of home time, right? So when you start out the week, what you're thinking about is when do I get home? Right, because right? you've got a you got a family, you've got commitments, you've got anniversaries, weddings, barbecues, cookouts. You want to live a life, but of course you're headed in the wrong direction to start the week, and it's not one at a time. You know, like brokers might look at it and just do a one and done type deal. What the carrier is thinking about is what's next, and how do, how does that impact me four days away in terms of getting home for my commitments? Because that's what's driving their that's what's driving how they feel and how they behave. It impacts their sleep, their schedules, their downtime. And of course, with ELDs, time is literally money now. It's not, you know, with paper logs, you could absorb some of the inefficiencies in the supply chain and the freight networks and still get home on time. Now you could be, you could be five hours from home and out of hours and not be able to move unless you incur violations. So the the real you know, the real key is. How do you get the driver back home through your routings? And it's not one load at a time because what they need is, you know, you sort of of back back and think, how does the psyche work? Um, First of all, the truck is an extension of their self-image, right? So in terms of building relationships, it's always important to ask, how's your truck? Even if they don't own the truck, how's your truck going? how did your truck go last night like how's you know is there anything wrong with your truck that you need us to work on if you're a fleet manager just talking about a driver's truck is a really important part of any discussion but then it's got to quickly you know devolve into you know this load here is going to take you here but what if we do this on the next leg and then we end up getting you back to where you need to be first question should be when do you need to be home this week or are you happy to stay out because that's, that's a makes
0: great my, way to, right. to approach the conversation
1: because it, so it makes my decision with what you're about to offer me easier or harder because if it doesn't fit this jigsaw puzzle that's in my head, I'm going to have real time accepting the rate. And that's and you know
2: where- yep. Well, we, you, you brought this up earlier too. And I think this also correlates very much with the day of the week that you're trying to cover, right? Which we were just talking about is, right. you know- they may have, and, and we can talk a little bit more about this is most of the asset companies, like they start Monday, right? They know they're shipping out of their local shippers or whoever that company is, and they go off into the country. Mm-hmm. Well, like you said, they're already looking at how do I get home? I've got a wedding, mm-hmm. a baptism, whatever that right. may be, family right. commitments. So, right. when you're talking to cares on Wednesday and Thursday asking them and that was always my go-to question kind of at the Mm -hmm. front which Mm -hmm. honestly now I would start asking about their truck and I never did that and I think that's a great tip that I just it never crossed my mind it would always come up in conversation Mm -hmm. but I never was intentional about asking them and you're right Right. it's an extension of them I mean it shows you're considered it builds rapport.
1: Yep. And, of course, um, they love to, you know, drive it. See, part of the problem is when you're on your own driving a truck, you, you subconsciously lose the ability to communicate because you're not talking to people, right? So mm-hmm. I used to have this happen to me. Um, you know, I'd be on the road for a week and I'd run 6,000 kilometres, what's that, around 4,000 miles every week in Australia, and you get home and you're kind of numb. You can't talk. You can't communicate because you've been on your own, and you, and you sit and you feel like you're still moving at 100 kilometers an hour or 65. Like you still feel like you're moving. And it takes a fair while to acclimate to being at home. And then, of course, by the time you have a bit of sleep, you've got to go again. And it's a, it's a roller coaster emotional ride that you go on every week because when you're driving, you, you always want to be home. Like you always want to be somewhere else. Like you sort of, mm-hmm. and it and it's kind of happens very slowly. But in your head, even though you're rolling down the road at say 65, 70 miles an hour, you're already thinking about traffic in Atlanta. How long is it going to be at this dock? Can I get out of? Can I get up to 85 before traffic hits me at four o'clock? Can I get to? You know? Can I get to? Uh, you know? Nashville to to load tomorrow? Uh, will the shipper be open? Will I, Will they be loading all their local trucks first? You know, will I have excessive doc time? If I do, will I get paid detention? Like all this stuff goes through their head at a, at a nano. Like the speed is just unbelievable, this thought process. Mm-hmm. And little problems become big problems. And then, of course, you get on the phone and say something and they go, you know, they kind of explode. And it's not because they're badly behaved people. It's just that this world they live in, it's such a roller coaster ride of emotion from loneliness to depression to happiness to boredom to frustration. Uh, It's it it's every single emotion you could imagine. And it's all compounded even more by lack of sleep. And that comes back to consistency, because what they want is they want to do this, they want to sleep at the same time every day because well-rested drivers run more miles. So if you want miles hauled, what you've got to give me is, and and this is called biocompatible scheduling. It's probably getting too deep into the weeds, but if you build your entire dispatch around when drivers want to sleep, guess what happens to your miles? They go up. Get more miles out of it. Absolutely. (laughs) Whereas if you want to dispatch me at 10 o'clock at night, and I'm going to have to drag my butt in and out of every rest area up I-81, I'm going to be late. And angry and frustrated and not happy. And you're going to try and negotiate with me on a load. And I'm not, I'm probably going to be real ornery about it. Like, and you you know, you've had these conversations and you think, whoa, where did that come from? And of course, we all behave like two year olds without sleep. (laughs) <laughs> I was just doing right.
2: this to that work. I was working on something like that last week on how that affects us and the correlation yeah. between like, honestly, alcohol and lack of sleep. They're right. almost identical. And right. for everybody, yeah. anybody that yeah. Nate and I have just gone through this, anybody that has a little baby out there, right?
0: Like yeah. Oh, yeah. you're
2: sleeping two, three hours at a clip for those first three months. Yeah. yeah.
0: You're going to be a little irritable. I mean, you're gonna six be- months for my first one, but, uh, yeah. or six, yeah, six months <laughs> yeah. for my first one. He was a uh, pain, but yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, truck Yeah, it's that's grinding a good, out. Good point yeah. to be made. Yeah, yeah. They can, you know, we can grind out the miles. Um, it doesn't feel good. Like it's hard. These some of the miles are very, very hard. But if you, if you allow me to sleep at least six hours continuous every day, and you give me the same dispatch, I'll get the miles done and get home without any trouble whatsoever. But it's when, it's when you change things in the middle of a trip like if you said what's the worst thing you could do to a driver and that's it, it's disrupt their routine they love the same road same trip same customers same type of freight like when you start to get into a groove you're actually much better driver you're much happier much more content you're home more often it's more predictable your family's happier there's all these parts of the puzzle fit into place but when you hold me over and i get jerked around and i and i get uh, you know short short dispatches you know and, I, and I'm promised a load that doesn't materialize drivers get really really angry and they get so frustrated it ends ends up in generally you know drivers eventually finding somewhere else to go and work and you're right and it's like we st-
2: we really, I put a big emphasis on this in coaching, which is the difference between somebody that is reactive during their day and somebody that is able to right. predict their day, right? right. Because right. your body will respond to reactions, which people call multitasking, right? Like mm-hmm. that is a reaction. Mm-hmm. It your body responds physiologically to that the same way it does stress literally Run. as if it's a threat Run. to your body so Run. you're expending more energy by reacting than you would like you said being able to be Run. predictable Run. and intentional Run. Run. so Run. it it makes sense that that's also going to physiologically beat these guys up so let mm-hmm. me ask you this i think this is a great time for us to chat a little bit about i think brokers don't necessarily know or understand how valuable some Load criteria are to the drivers and the dispatchers, and you mm-hmm. named like at least a half a dozen there. Let's go through some of these things that brokers can focus on when they're selling a load or negotiating a load, right? Or use the term sell for, I guess, mm-hmm. lack of a better word. But if I want you to cover my load, Dean, and you're the driver, you're the dispatcher working closely with the driver. What are the things that are important to you that we can look yep. for when we're talking to
1: shippers? Uh, obvious ones like drop and hook versus live load. Uh, if yep. it's live load, what's the shipper like? You know, what's there what's the window? If I if I'm there early, will they unload me? If I'm there late, do they hold me over? Like so these are the things that you've got to really nail down because if I've only got 60 hours in a week on my total ELD work time, every hour I spend on a dock where I'm not getting detention pay is money. Is yep. it's costing me money. So it's coming off my miles. Right. So and that comes back to when I leave home on a Sunday. I've got to run 3,300 miles and I've got to average 2 bucks a mile. That's my target. And how you build that in is the most critical piece. So I would say the number one thing with the, in the ELD era, era is, is um, the detention time at the dock because there's, you know, drivers want to drive. They don't want to wait. And for some reason we've got this hour and a half to two-hour buffer that we give shippers to unload. Yeah. And that, like, that'll drive. I don't I, – I've spent – you know, eight, nine, 10 hours on loading docks waiting. And and from a broker's perspective, what this looks like to a driver who's not treated all that well by a lot of shippers. Um, and you sit in the mirror, you sit in it, if you're not in the sleeper cab and you're allowed to sit under the trailer while they load, if it's a live load situation, you, you're in the mirror and you see this red light and you're waiting for that red light to go green Right. And you're staring at this red light for hours and hours on end, and you can't hear the forklift in the trailer. You see people come in after you, get loaded out before you, like, and you start to lose your mind. So from a from a driver's perspective, anytime you can get them on and off that dock as fast as they can, that's going to put money in their bank because it's it's more rolling time for them. So that's always where I start because detention time is is a really big thing these days. And and I think it, it sort of ebbs and flows with capacity. Capacity is tight. So shippers are looking to work more closely with carriers um, in times of loose capacity. It's quite the opposite.
0: I think that is the, uh, the logistician part of being a freight broker and, you know, not the sales side, but the logistician, the problem solving, the coordination, the lining up schedules and times, that a lot of folks take their eyes off of hmm. and it's going to cause them to have to sell harder because they can't, You know they can't perform effectively. Um, Whereas if you can master that part of it, the the sales part of it becomes so easy. You get a good reputation, or customers want to continue to work with you. Carriers want to continue to work with you. Mm -hmm. It just you know you're doing your job as a broker of not just getting a load covered, but actually you're babysitting that load from cradle to grave and making sure that everybody is content
1: at the end of the process. Yes, I'd also go one step further. And and because I'm just not thinking about that load that I've accepted, like you, you're buying the capacity and I've said, yep, I'll to hold that load. What I'm immediately thinking about is the next load and the next load. So anytime you can kind of do this multi-bid trip uh, arrangement for me, I'm going to be a much more amenable to the first bid because – you know, I might I might say uh, no to a hot, to a bid, and then end up shortchanging myself because it put me into a position where I had to accept a lower rate on the other end, on the next yeah. leg, right? So I I think I, I've always struggled with this mentality of, you know, we do one load at a time and go on to the next load, whereas mm. in the carrier's mind, he's looking at four or five loads in a week to get these thirty three hundred miles or whatever it is and get home. That's what's driving their behavior and their likelihood to either accept, you know, bids or negotiate even harder with you.
2: And I think that's, there's two things in there, two actionable tips, right? The one is most brokers are looking at this, as Dean just said, one load at a time transactionally, right? Right. But if you think about the other person you're negotiating with, your supposed partner and the relationship you want to establish, they care more about the week and its aggregate, its entirety. How does this individual load fit in with the other loads? But I can't tell you how few brokers I ever talked to ever even ask that question. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. how does this load fit in with this driver's work this week? Does yeah. this get him closer to home? Mm-hmm. Does this put mm-hmm. you guys somewhere that is helpful to you? Right. Is there another driver that can work, which is the first and foremost? Easy yep. question to ask,
1: right? Right. right. What if a lower rate means a shorter deadhead on the next leg? Yes. Yep. They're right. correlated. Yeah. Or you're right. getting
0: put into a really desirable location. Right. So, so that's where
1: you've got to no know market context. Yep. Because yep. I'm, I'm looking at weather, traffic, uh you know my rest breaks how tired i am and i'm trying to factor all these things into my head and think yeah that load's going to fit because i think it'll work in with all these other things that drive uh my average road speed and my ability to to you know maintain that because that's the key my average road speed my miles in each hour is is the highest priority i've got with elds it's not miles per hour it's miles in each hour and that comes back to if I'm well-rested, I can run more miles in each hour.
2: Which goes right back to it. By the way, that's why this information is in DAT. When you pull up a load to look at an actual load, it gives you the weather there. It gives you the market outbound. It right. shows right. you what the driver cares about as well, right? So yep. take
1: some time to think through that. Yeah. I'd also, I'd also, you know, you asked about what's the most important criteria in in, you know, matching loads to carriers. It's- this is going to sound a little bit strange, but when I would talk to drivers, because I knew what it felt like, um, I would always say, hey, you know, how do you feel? How are you? Are you good to go? Like, how do you feel? How much sleep did you get last night? And drivers will always uh, overestimate sleep and underestimate how tired they are. That's a natural human, human nature function, right? So, so you got to get good at listening to drivers' voices because a tired voice sounds really, really obvious. Right. Once you start to listen to this, uh, voice inflection is a really good part of um, uh, understanding how to run you know, uh, a fleet because mm-hmm. some drivers can make good miles, others can't. And if you're trying to just get this driver off the phone and he sounds terrible, he may just want to chat. Like he may just want to talk to someone about what's going on in yep. his head. Oh, yeah. And I would I would always encourage people to make that human communication because it's a really lonely world most of the time, and and you feel like you're a victim of everything else is going against you. There are very few occupations where you can be just harassed on the on the road, pulled over, and mm-hmm. you know people go through your whole cab and inspect things, and like it's a it's an unusual occupation uh, because most drivers are, are very professional. Uh, drivers. like They're very good. They have great equipment. They're great drivers. But it's an occupation where you feel like at times everything is stacked against you. So just having those conversations sometimes can be that pressure valve that enables this conversation about that load and then the subsequent loads. So big.
2: And I mean, that's something that well, I used to do a lot, especially when the market got super tight. It was out of necessity, to be honest. Like, I couldn't right. find the truck. So I was literally just having conversations with drivers in the middle of the day because I knew they knew about what was going on in the market more than I could behind my desk. Like, I right. would literally just chat with them in the middle of the day, call yep. some drivers yep. I knew. But yep. what I learned as I started having some of these conversations that I think other people think are menial or trivial, right? Right. One, you could tell, just like you said, you could hear the inflection. You could hear that they're happy right. and grateful yeah. to just connect right. with another human being about anything. Because right. right. they've just been by themselves in right. that truck. And not right. only does that go a long way, but those conversations led to getting me some actionable leads to call other carriers that helped me find the capacity that
1: I could not right. find. Right. You know, it's it's the hardest job I've ever done in my life, driving a truck. You might say, well, that's weird. Like anybody can drive a truck. Well, anybody can steer a truck, right? I could teach you guys how to steer a truck in in a matter of hours. It's pretty easy to drive a modern truck forward. Backing's another thing, right? That's a whole other world. But going forward, it's not that hard. What makes it the hardest job I've ever done is all of the other non-driving stuff, right? And that's where I think, you know, the the brokerage you know community's got to be more in tune with what's going out on the road now because with ELDs, you're under an enormous amount of pressure. To maintain a high average road speed. Uh, even when you hit traffic now, right? Anything over five miles an hour, it's triggering on duty driving. So when you hit traffic, your average road speed plummets and then you start to miss appointments and then you miss a whole leg, like or a night's work because you've got to be held over. And next thing, you're not home on the weekend. And that's so, that, so there's a whole lot of things that go into this. And I would just think that um, think more about the, um, the multi load. Part of this equation, not just one load at a time. Because if it's a Thursday and you're trying to get me to do a 450 mile run to Atlanta, and I need to be home in Boston, I ain't taking that Atlanta load for all the money yep. in the world. You you, I, you get me to Elizabeth, New Jersey, and I'll deadhead home empty.
2: And that's the point. I think everybody gets so caught up in it's the money, it's the rate, right? Well, right, no. That's the first, like you said, it's the priority right. to be able to hit right. your thirty-three thousand at two bucks a mile, or. 3300 yep. a week at yep. 2 bucks yep. a mile. But all of these other subjective things that you've talked through, right? All right. are money. They're all yeah. money to the driver. Time right. is literally right. money because they're right. legally required. They have constraints. They don't have the ability yep. to flex beyond that. So when you yep. have a quick loading, when you have yep. drop and hook, when you've yep. got shippers that are easy to deal with, that's real money. That's right. not cutting into your margin, but it is beneficial to the
1: carrier because right. that is right. money. Unless your as your average road speed per uh, you know, mile per hour drops, your your required rate goes up. Mm-hmm. Your rate per mile. Oh, right? yeah. So if there's you know there's a whole lot more goes into it, and that's where carriers struggle with cash flow management because you know you have some bad weather, and next thing you've lost a thousand miles that week. You know, and then it's hard to play catch up. You know, it, it's, it's a it's a hit you can't absorb. So there's there's a lot goes into it. I'm, this is a fascinating discussion that we're having, but if if uh, um, if there's anything, you know, people can do, and and we we did this a lot when we built predictive models around predicting which drivers that have accidents and quit the number one thing talking to a driver is just building a bridge and and getting to know your drivers and talking about consistency and patterns and, and talking about things that matter to them. You know, the truck, getting home, family, all those sorts of things, as opposed to, you know, will you accept this rate?
0: I dig it. Those are, Great discussion. Awesome takeaways too. You know, little things even like asking, how's your truck? Right. And, right, right, you know, right. looking at that big picture of where do they want to be at the end of their week. So. Right.
1: even stuff. I, I always built some dispatches. Um, I always had a picture of the driver's truck. Oh, so nice. Even, even, even when I ran an insurance company, um, a long haul truck book, of business, we always had a picture of the fleet, the picture of the truck. And because you drivers take a lot of pride in their equipment, so any broker I would encourage to make sure you've got a picture of the truck as it comes up to so see you've got something visual, a visual reference. That's cool. Yeah,
0: I like it. Good stuff. Well, right. we're gonna we got a, a couple of good questions here. We're gonna get to in our Q and A section, but first we got to mention our free friends over at Lean Solutions Group. We have uh, Trey coming on the next two episodes. I'm looking forward to that. We're gonna hit on everything from sales and marketing to staffing and technology Technology. is going to be great. And those are four areas that lean does a great job at helping out folks in the transportation world is helping out with that nearshore staffing model with their offices in Columbia. Uh, The technology group that's currently building Freight360's new website, sales and marketing folks to help out with brokerages that are growing and and need a little help with whether it's the carrier sales part or um, account managers or you name it. They've, They've got all kinds of all kinds of good options there for helping scale and grow your business. So check them out at leangroup.com. There's a link in our episode notes, but we got three great questions here. We're going to get into them. All right. The first one, and I'm going to, this is going to relate kind of just what we talked about with the carry relationships is somebody had asked, I just got my authority as a new licensed freight broker. Do you have any tips as I get started? And I think one of the, you know, a big takeaway from today's episode is, To focus on your carrier relationships because without good quality partner carriers, you're not going to be able to service any shipping customers whatsoever. And I think that is huge. You know, even if you're building up a a carrier network and you're not working with them right away, it doesn't mean that that relationship is dead and it's over and it's never going to go anywhere. Think about how many times it takes to make a cold call to a shipper before you might get a load from them to work on. The same might happen as you're building up that carrier network and relationship as well. You know, they might not have, um, you know, they might not match up with what you have to offer and vice versa. It's just a matter of getting that built up. The more carriers that you have in your network, the more, I I don't want to use a word like lethal, but the more effective you're going to be, I think like, you know, a soldier's lethal, but a freight broker could be effective and, you know, go out there and be killing it, uh, covering loads. So Ben, what do you have uh, as a tip for someone that's new?
2: Consistent effort on- the relationship side on the carriers, on the prospecting side for the shippers, everybody needs trucks right now. Everybody's struggling for capacity. Build rapport, ask good questions, but stay consistent with your effort and prospecting. Yeah, If it's 20 calls a day, 20 calls a day, every day for the week. Doing Mm -hmm. 101 day and zero for the next three isn't going to get you there. Pick a number that you can stick with and then start to build on that.
0: And I think uh, don't get in over your head too. So, Dean, you brought up a good point of having the time to put in to talk to these carriers and spend time understanding the big picture for them, how their day's going, how their truck is and all that. If you get yourself in over your head and you overcommit to a customer and that leads to you giving poor service and not taking care of your carriers, you're going to crumble from, you know, from the bottom all the way down or the top all the way down. So you're relying
1: on the carrier to to execute,
0: right? Absolutely. Absolutely. that,
1: That relationship's critical.
0: Hundred percent, I agree. All right, here's a here's another good question. What is the earliest you would start cold calling in the morning? So this is a broker asking when they should start making their outbound calls. Ben, I want your I want your input, and then I'll give you my experience. It depends on the industry. Produce
2: bakeries; those folks are usually starting their day at five in the morning and ending it at two, three in the afternoon. Um, CEOs or people that you're trying to reach higher up the food chain bureaucracy, bureaucratically are usually there. Like I'll occasionally try to reach them at like 730 or eight because gatekeepers usually arrive at eight or nine. So there's usually a window where the boss is there before the gatekeepers there that you can play. I mean, you don't want to beat these windows up, but if you want to know how early, those are the ones that I would call earlier. Mm -hmm. The rest, I then try to sprinkle in calls later in the day actually. And you want to kind of mix it up to see what works for who you're trying to reach.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it I think it depends on the industry and the situation. So I found in, in certain aspects I found myself personally effective with my my targeted audience of prospects late morning and mid-afternoon, but you know everyone's different. It all depends on who you're talking with. What I will tell you as a little a little tip here is um, make sure you know where they're located. Just because somebody's phone number has an <laughs> yes. area code that's on the East Coast, they, they it might be a cell phone from where they used to live or something. I made the mistake of calling somebody in Alaska that had a, an East Coast phone number, and it was like five in the morning when they picked <laughs> up, and they weren't very happy. So, um, and also don't forget about things like daylight savings with uh, like Arizona, right? Arizona does not follow daylight savings. There's also the western part of Texas that's, that is not in central time. And there's the western part of the Florida panhandle that's not eastern time. You've got to make sure I, I'm, I'm huge with having a map that has time zones, dr- the lines drawn right down there. Make sure you know what time of day it is when you're calling somebody that's not in your time zone.
2: And so. speaking of one more thing that Dean brought up when we were going over these before the show is check calling or calling your carriers all the same, right? The last thing you want to do is to check call your carrier and not notice he's in the other time zone and you're waking him up at four mm-hmm. in the morning.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Right. That's huge. Good point.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Last one we got here is how do I post loads in bulk using a spreadsheet of all the lanes? Um, so really cool. And we actually tested it out right before the recording this morning. Whether, you're, whether you want to run a bulk list of rates or post a bulk list of loads, you can upload them using an Excel spreadsheet or a CSV file into DAT. So rate view on DAT, you can run massive bulk amount of rates that way if you're doing a bid. Um, or if you want, let's say you have like your weekly or a daily um, spreadsheet from one of your customers that you want to get, that's all spot free. And you want to just have it posted out there before you start making your up on calls. You can upload that and I, I use dat power for it. You can upload a spreadsheet or a CSV file right in there to get that all uploaded. What's nice is there, I believe there's actually a template too, but it'll take your spreadsheet and then it'll, it'll pull up the columns and say, make sure you're matching up each column with the appropriate um, data point for DAT. So like make sure this is the city column. This is the state column, zip code column, the equipment type, and it's gotta be entered in properly. So if you have to do some formatting, make sure it's done properly. Just test it out. Go to DAT's website. You can get, again, get that free link or the free month using the link in our episode notes. Um, check it out. It's, it's really, really cool. And it'll save you some time. So a lot of good tools out there at DAT Dean. You guys are, yep. you guys are doing good things. Thank you. Doing Great things. Yeah. So, well, good episode, good discussion. Any final thoughts around the horn here?
1: What do you got, Dean? Um, I've just written an article for our weekly market update. One of the common questions we get, is this a good time to buy a truck? And, of course, everyone would say yes. And uh, But I, you know, in my rear vision mirror, the bankruptcies of 2018 and excessive truck orders of late 18, overcapacity in 19, record bankruptcies last year, it's kind of like it's still very fresh in my mind, record truck orders late last year, uh, you know, yeah, it's a great time to buy a truck, but put some money aside for a rainy day because these good times won't last. And that's sort of, yeah, it's a good time to be doing it, but really understand your costs.
2: And I think I, same thing here. I, I did our video this morning that I shot. And the one thing that keeps sticking with me and on that topic is the cyclical aspect of this market, mm. right? Mm. If you put an order in, likely this market will not exist when you get the truck.
1: Eleven um, months is the bill time for trucks, right.
2: right? And even, I mean, obviously you can get you, used, but the thing is, the market is is always shifting and always mm. changing. Mm. Um, I don't know. Warren Buffett said it. What is it? Be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. Right. When the right. market's tight, right. I'm, right. I almost act as if like I'm in the opposite. Yeah. What TJ Knutson right. said last week.
0: Right. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I would be Runs into the storm and plan for what's when it's bad, plan for when it's good, when it's good, plan for when it's bad.
2: Yeah. Buying a truck is a longer term time frame than mm. a market mm. cycle. So yeah. be prepared to be able to operate that truck in both types of yeah, economic climates, I guess.
0: When Ken Adamo was on the last time with us, he he broke it down. You know, the average market cycle in this industry is about eighteen months, and we saw an entire cycle early on in in the pandemic yep. last year. What May, March, April, May edge timeframe yep. in yep. just a matter of months, we saw that right. entire cycle right. from beginning to end. So you never know; it's not always going to be that eighteen months. So yeah, think about that mm-hmm. lead time on that truck order of about eleven months. Um, And like you said to Dean, having that rainy day fund, Mm -hmm. I think the same goes with brokerages as well that have uh, a staff of employees, right? You've got to have cash on hand, your retained earnings to make sure that, you know, when you don't have that strong week, month or quarter, you can weather that storm, but also take every little bit of change and hardship that you experience and do something about it so you don't face the same problems is bad the next time. Mm-hmm. right? Because just like having all, you mentioned all the, all the data you can have from analytics, from DAT and whatnot, they're great, but they're worth nothing if you don't actually act on them or use them for anything. So mm-hmm. if you don't learn from your mistakes or if you don't use the data that's right. out there, right. it's useless. Yep. yep.
2: Knowledge without application is largely useless.
0: There yes. you go. Who, who said that one, Ben? I
2: don't know.
0: Benjamin Kowalski, circa that's 2021. It. one wasn't mine.
2: (laughs) Then another one that wasn't mine, my sign off, man. Whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right.
0: Uh, Well, until next time, go Bills. Thanks, Dean. Thank you. That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly.
2: And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.